2: All right, we now welcome on Michael Borkey, Sports Talk Mississippi, do it all, man. Super Talk, do it all, man, I should say. Sports Talk Mississippi, 3 to 6 every Monday through Friday. I promise you this one would actually go on air. So the last time we recorded a podcast was actually early Wednesday morning before Thanksgiving. Um, if you re- listen to it on the Rippy Right feed, it's out there because uh, when I just upload something, it's just sticking out there. But I send it to Chase on the MPW feed, which I'm not stupid enough to believe is not the main source of our audience. It absolutely is. You texted me that night, and we're like, after the Kiffin thing kind of took a turn, and we're like, well, glad y'all didn't post that. And I was like, well, as far as my knowledge is posted, I'm over here sitting, eating here Thanksgiving dinner a day early, thinking, well, that one didn't last long. Oh, well, it happens sometimes. But uh, I send him to Chase. Chase, pretty busy guy. I, he uploads them for me, puts in the ads. I appreciate that piece of it, Very. Uh, but he just didn't get to it at that point um and I guess we dodged a bullet because what we talked about became a little bit outdated this will not become outdated and it will go on the main airwaves I guess we'll just start there I've been out of pocket for like three four days I went to a wedding in Fort Myers Florida over the weekend um and just pretty much pretended like I belonged it was Hayden Buckley's wedding uh I did not get on a bag for next year um, that was my goal for the thing. Uh,
1: okay. What a name drop flex that was. It, I know, you
2: know. I, I, was trying, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drop the name real <laughs> stuff like But no, we, <laughs> we went to his wedding in Fort Myers. Lovely ceremony. It was a good time. But, uh, I'm also getting old because, uh, when I do like a big weekend where you drink two days in a row, you mix in some travel there. I'm just out of commission for like a day. Monday at work sucks. It was already going to suck. Cause I missed a Friday. So I've been out of the loop, to say the least, and just completely and utterly just kind of, um, I'd say, brain fog, uh, to put it mildly. I guess we'll just start sort of where we left off to some degree. Lane Kiffin's now staying at Ole Miss. You and I were just chopping it up a little bit before we started recording. Uh, In the days after um, this went down, or as it was going down the Friday after Thanksgiving, there's a very long message board post on rebelgrove.com. And when I say very long, this puts my rambling newsletter to shame. I think we're talking like 5,000 words here. Um, about, I thought I knew of the guy who wrote it, but there's a million people with his name in the world. So it was actually a totally different one we discovered. So I don't know this guy at all. I got like 1,500 words into it. I was like, I just can't do this. This is not made up. But I'll just take it to you. This has apparently become a topic of discussion once again. Um, a week and a half or weeks later, I get the days mixed up. About how this was all just media driven, and Kiffin was never leaving Ole Miss. What
1: yeah, a- we, we we've had some people, you uh, know, blow up our text line on the radio show this week about it, and um, I can't. Uh, maybe I can actually. That that's a lie. I understand where some of that that is coming from. I I do. I, I truly do. Uh, hearing people talk about the possibility of your coach leaving is is never fun to hear. That that's never good to talk about. Um, hearing negative things uh, about a, a program that has such momentum is, is it doesn't feel good. And, and there are a lot of people that have given a lot of money to it, both in tickets and their time and gas and hotels, and also now just straight up giving money. So the players will stay on roster. I understand why the, uh, the emotions were high. What I couldn't figure out was however many people it was that were specifically bothering richard about it which of all people to bug about this richard cross being one um i don't quite understand that uh, he was as fair as you could possibly have been uh, through all of it and informed um but either way I, i'm surprised that, that it still bothers some people now because after it happened and after kiffin signed his contract finally i, I kind of went on a mini rant if you will and basically i said At the the end of the day, Auburn made Lane Kiffin a priority in their search. He was candidate number one. They went after him hard. And for whatever reason, he told them no. And we can debate the reasons if we want. I don't think it matters. Auburn came after Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin said no. For whatever reason, he turned them down. They turned their attention to Hugh Freeze and got that done. So any fractured relationship between he and his bosses I assume is going to get mended uh, rather quickly Um, any you know big booster that didn't like how that went down I assume that that will calm down after a while because he still is an objectively extremely good football coach they are probably going to portal well they're probably going to recruit well I think they're going to win the bowl game. So you get nine wins, you get momentum, you portal well, all that's going to be okay. And for the fan base, you either have fans that kind of understand how it went down and don't care, um, are mad at him and will soon not be, or don't know what went down or how it went down and don't really care either way, because at the end of the day, Auburn came after Lane Kiffin, and he told them no. And I do think that the details don't really matter in that scenario because the perception of Ole Miss today should be, and I think it is, Lane Kiffin told Auburn no. So therefore, in at least one coach's mind, Ole Miss is as good of a job as Auburn. And if you listen to the SEC Network, or, or many different like national podcasts or radio shows, very few people actually thought, you know, Auburn doesn't make sense. Credit Neil McCready. He said that from the very beginning. Why Auburn? It's a bad fit. It doesn't make sense to go right now. Andy Staples was also somebody I heard basically say, why he's got it made. W- w- what is he doing? Everybody else was blinded by like Cam Newton winning a championship 12 years ago. Old Miss fought off Auburn for their football coach. Details don't matter. That looks good for Ole Miss. And so I don't understand why some people are still wanting to go after Richard specifically, but you guys and Neil and Chase and Ben Garrett and Chuck and all these people, when you won, you won. Lane Kiffin stayed at Ole Miss. You won. I don't understand the the anger persisting because You won at the end. Everything looks good for Ole Miss at the end of this, regardless of how it went down.
2: It's – I can see why this is happening. I don't necessarily understand the prolonged nature of it, but I can understand why this is happening. And I would think one of the least attractive things that people do, particularly talk radio, podcasting, whatever, is kind of like talk down to the people listening like they don't understand anything – Type of thing. You get that a lot, a lot of times in bigger markets. And so I don't mean to like sound that way, but like, can I give some insight on how this works? One, you know, as a reporter, and I wasn't exactly Adam Schefter when I was on the old missbeat by any stretch of the imagination, but I could only wish to have that kind of power if I could just make up stuff and you know, reality TV the situation to death. Um, it probably would have happened. They could have made Matt Luke interesting. If they if if reporters and the collective old Miss Beat had that sort of power, they could have made Matt Luke into a fair somewhat interesting soap opera story. Probably would have been a little more family-friendly ordeal. But like that's just not how it works because it's in the information getting business. And if you just one mention every single thing you heard without any sort of context, without any sort of um kind of I would say critical thinking with it and just ran with every tidbit you heard uh, said people would stop giving you information they would stop respecting you. And honestly, rightfully so, from like an athletics or administrators perspective, you'd become a real big pain in their ass. And when the pain in the ass is not rooted in truth, well then you're kind of stepping outside the boundaries of um, you know, what is actually smart, responsible reporting, but I can't understand how this happened or why this is happening because it did feel like a soap opera. I, I've never, and again, I don't do this full time anymore. I try to help Neil and Chase out as much as I can, when I can in any capacity. But I, I, once this started, the end of Auburn week, to probably around the time you text me on Wednesday night, and I would say died down a little bit by Thursday, I'm sitting there thinking, I am exhausted by this. I find this wildly fascinating, but I am exhausted by this soap opera. Because that's really kind of careful here, behind the scenes, what it sort of devolved into. And I think some of that just become it comes with Lane Kiffin, how he operates, the brand, all of that. It's not even necessarily a flaw, I don't think, per se. But it felt different than any sort of coaching saga that was short of some major scandal, say, involving a tamp escort service or whatever – and so it was kind of foreign in that regard. It just didn't seem like anything else, particularly for nothing, quote-unquote, nothing to ultimately end up happening. What I mean by that is, is the guy still staying in Ole Miss. So I understand that, where people are like, this had to just be over-dramatized. And if it was, it was not the people with the subscription websites or the radio show, because again, that's just not how any of this works. Um, you know, the debate shows they have to manufacture ridiculous nonsense for a reason that's why they're called takes it's not based off any sort of information that's why that takes place but if you do this based on somewhat trying to be informed you're just never it's never it's not a sustainable business model people are eventually just going to be like this guy's full of it I think an unfortunate example of that is Sokolov I don't know what happened with that situation I don't even necessarily think he was particularly um quote-unquote wrong at the time read into that what you will But he clearly did not vet um, the information. He did not use enough critical thinking. I'm not doubting that it was good or bad info or where it came from. He definitely, I don't think, just made it up. I, I really hope that's not the case. But, you know, there's kind of an old saying, you know, coaching searches, you know, a guy never takes a job until he actually signs the contract. Because things can change, right? Rich Rodriguez was actually the head coach at Alabama for about nine hours. Wasn't official on paper, but it was. So I can see why people, once he stays, you get the perception when you're probably a little bit annoyed that it happened. I can see why this is the case, but it's not just media construed whatever. I mean, I get it. People like the national media, the national like television, Fox News, CNN, name the station, ESPN and the sports spectrum has become what it's become uh, – you know, there's credence to that, I guess, but that's not really what happens on local beats. And so I just think that is very misinformed. And then you, you know, I guess to wrap up here, the guy that made the post, I have no idea if he listens to this podcast, I don't know who he is, but I will say props to him that if you can put together 5,000 words, that somewhat make sense, that's not easy to do. So I give him props for the time he spent doing that. I got about 2000 words in. I was actually with chase at the time. I think it got posted at St. Leo Well, we ran into him. He kind of sat. uh, He sat. uh, He and his wife sat with me and MC for a second after as they finished up. It was like there's five thousand word post on our board, and I was like, "Oh man, someone's off in the weeds." This is DB Cooper deal that actually ended up happening, but that was not the case. It was actually five thousand words. So props to him. And it's it's I haven't I can't finish it. I'm appreciator of long writing, but I it just it swayed so much beyond what I know and uh, to be reality. Um that I just couldn't finish it, but I do give him props for writing it, but it's, and I can see why people be like, yeah, this makes sense to hell with these dudes on these local beats or whatever, but that's just not how it works at all. And at the end of the day, the idea that Lane Kiffin did not seriously entertain the Auburn job is just not rooted in any sort of reality. And so without sounding preachy, I, I again back to what you started with. It's a perception when he's a great football coach. He said no to Auburn, a program that's perceived to be better than yours, even though I don't necessarily think that's an accurate perception. And it's a gigantic PR win. And he's a really good football coach. And you have some stability instead of having to start this thing over again. So accept the win, but don't shoot the messenger because the messenger didn't make up the story.
1: Well, and to me, and maybe this is a wrong way to think of it, I think the truth, or at least the truth as we know it, it means even – means more for Ole Miss than if Auburn, let's say Auburn never went after him. And like after they fired Harson, John they didn't have John Cohen. So when they hire John Cohen, John Cohen makes a phone call and it's it just like Jimmy tells Lane to ignore it or whatever. I think the fact that he deeply considered it and didn't go, I don't know. I think it makes what, what happens stronger from a perception perspective. Getting out of the details and looking at it. The dude really looked at Auburn and decided, you know, they, they offered me everything That they could, and it's still not enough to leave Old Miss for for some reason. That to me, that means more that he did consider and he did listen to their best pitch, and it still wasn't enough. Thirty thousand feet view. I I don't know why it didn't go down. It doesn't matter. Uh, The outkick piece, where where he had quotes, I thought was fascinating. Uh, A look into you know at least part of the decision making with his kids and and stuff like that, but. Part of me wonders if he was surprised by Ole Miss fans' responses to the very deliberate leak to Chris Lowe about Auburn's NIL capabilities versus Ole Miss. I, I I think without knowing him, that that probably what happened after that probably surprised him. If I had to guess without knowing him, it surprises me. Dude, could could you imagine? this time last year, saying Ole Miss is going to have $10 million in the hopper in an NIL fund, I'd have thought, no way in hell. It's just not,
2: their league. He forcibly
1: raised their ceiling. You're dead on with that, which yeah, is a good thing. I mean, Ryan Day at Ohio State said, what, what did he say? He needed 12 or $13 million for NIL? Yeah, I think somewhere that's what he around said. there.
2: I think I read something about that. So, competitive.
1: Yeah, and, and so, again, I, I keep going back to this. What has happened from a perception standpoint is huge. You have now, Ole Miss has now stepped up in head coach salary of a top 10 variety. Could you imagine saying that 10 years ago? Ole Miss has stepped up in assistant salary pool, despite what people over at Auburn think Jake Thornton didn't leave Ole Miss because Ole Miss couldn't afford him. Okay. Uh, That is not real. Uh, So they stepped up in assistant salary pool. They are currently renovating facilities. They have, if you believe it, which I do, $10 million in NIL. They have. They were able to keep Quinshawn Judkins drama-free. And I know what you're thinking, well, why would he go? You guys remember, you listening out there remember how the Ole Miss job was covered during the entire Auburn-Brian Harsin thing. Oh, it's a no-brainer, Lane Kiffin Woodley. No-brainer. No, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, you can win championships at Auburn. Ole Miss just expects to go to bowl games. That Tim Tebow said that on SEC Nation before an Ole Miss game. But he's talking about LSU. He said LSU expects championships. Ole Miss just expects to be good. Well, Keith Carter in the administration and Glenn Boyce and everybody involved investing in a way that says we're not content with with just being good anymore. It's um to to have all of this happen, despite the perception from national people and SEC network people about how your program doesn't belong and Auburn's way better and all that, you keep your coach and that running back that everybody – I say everybody. A lot of people were talking about he needs to hit the portal so he can make seven figures and Alabama's going to get him and all these people. Maybe it was chaos behind the scenes, but from the outside looking in, Quinchon Judkins was drama free. He's happy at Ole Miss. He likes it at Ole Miss. The collective step up and paid him. And the portal is not even a worry, not even a thought. Nobody has to think twice about it. He'll be in your uniform next year. Zero drama. None with a guy like that. So Ole Miss keeps a coach and fights off Auburn. And a running back that literally every single college football program in America would have paid, not just would have taken, but would have paid, doesn't even go through the process to see how much. That's a big deal. That that matters a lot for Ole Miss, and pairing that with the way the season ended is kind of funny, but um, the PR wins have been strong over the last couple of weeks since the season's ended.
2: They have, and now it's just a matter of what you do with it, and I want to get to that in a second, but without keeping you for two hours, I got to hit on the Auburn side of it. They hire you for ease. They don't necessarily seem to be... Uh... I'd say well-positioned or prepared for maybe the blowback they were going to, but like anything else, it seemingly died down, and now people that don't like Freeze get to poke fun at Auburn for hiring Hugh Freeze. I actually think it's a good fit. I think he could win there. Um, I don't know if that's a popular or unpopular opinion, but just strictly from a football standpoint, I think the guy's got a chance to get the program going pretty well. Will it be stable? Will it be up and down? Will it be free of uh, drama, we'll call it for the lack of a better phrase? I don't know. I think it's a good fit. But the aspect of it to me in the last week or so that has been kind of hilarious is our man's getting the band back together. And, you know, this was a topic that was written about a bit and talked about some toward the end of his time at will Miss. Why did he hire Wes McGriff and Phil Longo? There are reasons for that. But the long story short is, Freeze doesn't seem to be a very connected guy in the coaching industry. And for, you know, his, I hate to use this word, like so blanketly but for his anti-social and kind of aloof sometimes as kiffin seems like and i don't know he's sometimes hard on assistants and they want to leave for other reasons but in terms of like casting a net and going and getting good quality competent people to hire him his batting record for batting average for hires is pretty damn good and he kind of casts a wide net to that degree whereas our man hugh and i don't even know if i'm not necessarily faulting for this if he hires barney Ferrar, i guess that'll be another story but I mean, I guy's just getting the the band back together. We've got, uh, is there some Derek Nix buzz? We've got McGriff coming back. We've got, um, didn't he hire Mo Harris? Like this is just him getting the band back together. What do you think that speaks to?
1: Uh, a lack of connections in the coaching world. That's something that's been talked about for quite some time. It was evident at Ole Miss and, and it's evident again. Uh, I mean, I'm with you. I think Auburn's going to punch above their weight right away because at the end of the day, he is a very good football coach. Now, he's an inconsistent football coach. I mean, we saw a microcosm of that when he beats Arkansas and then loses to UConn and New Mexico State in the same season. I mean, that, that's that's very typical Hugh Freeze, but he is a very good football coach, and, and Auburn's going to punch above their weight right away, and they're also going to lose games or a game that they shouldn't also right away it's just kind of his thing but good football coach will win when we talked about this I always said that I wouldn't if I were Auburn there's just too much that would deter me from hiring him I would have gone elsewhere I you know maybe they tried and it was a no-go but like Matt Rule was out there for example Um, not a great year to hire coaches in all honesty but when when Pat Forty didn't make it up. As Neil said, I listened to his podcast that day. They were talking, they were breaking down Hughes' press conference. Pat Forty didn't make it up. There is a you stay off social media clause somewhere in Hugh Freeze's employment agreement at Auburn. There is, there is something that is keeping him off of Twitter until he gets a burner account and starts searching his own name again. But there is something keeping him off of Twitter That that didn't that wasn't made up. So that would concern me you're handing a hundred plus million dollar a year football franchise, which is what it is to a guy that's not responsible enough to not tweet at strangers. That would concern me. And then now you're seeing the staff thing that, that line at the press conference was, was nice about how all these coaches are texting him, wanting to join up. And every person he's going after has a tie to his time at Ole Miss or a tie to Ole Miss, I mean, the offensive line coach that he stole was getting pushed out, and everybody else he coached with before on underwhelming staffs in the past. And it's not like they've gotten much stronger. So, and now Barry Odom's off to UNLV. So cross him off the defensive coordinator board. Um, th- that is another one of the reasons why if I were Auburn, I would have stayed away, but they didn't. And, you know, based on uh, listening to some people over there, Fans are already concerned that maybe Ole Miss media is what they want to call it, uh, didn't have sour grapes when they were talking about his inability to hire staff and maybe they were telling the truth.
2: Yeah, no kidding, to put it mildly. And that'll be the interesting piece of it because I do think if you get any semblance of a changed Hugh Freeze, and look, maybe he's just a guy that always does it his way, kind of has the reputation of needing to be the smartest person in the room, and hey, it worked. It was inconsistent, but it worked. But I do think if, just from a football standpoint, not anything off the field, if you're getting some sort of more refined version or uh, evolved version of Hugh Freeze, I do think, I thought it might come, you know, somewhat reflectively in his staff and it doesn't appear to be the case. So that's a big like wait and see thing for me. Because again, the guy's not an idiot when it comes to the football aspect of it. But I do just find it hilarious. I mean, I, I don't think he can hire Barney Farrar. I don't know if the show cause is done. I don't know if he's working on a tell-all book. Uh, I don't know where he is, but that would just be, Almost beyond parody. If he went hired <laughs> Barney Ferrard V is do it all. I don't. I don't like know. John b- Miller. Is he yeah. bringing John Miller back? Has there been any buzz with that? Like I said, I've been out of the loop. Well, uh, you
1: saw who his compliance director at Auburn is, right? No. Matt oh, is ball? That
2: ball. Wow.
1: <laughs> I mean, really getting the band back together. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know Barney. I don't know how he feels about you, but I imagine that that would not be a partnership that that he would undertake. I could be wrong. I don't know the guy. I just, I feel like the way that ended, um, I had somebody tell me that, uh, that Ole Miss should hire Barney, that Lane Kiffin should, or the Grove Collective should. And I thought the Grove Collective piece of that is really interesting. If you can make him like be the liaison between player and collective, because you can do that now, I guess, um, that would kill. I don't know what
2: power... The NCAA has left. I would Martin. be interested to see if they go for one final stab. Maybe they bust someone in an IL. I don't really know. They don't seem – It's not going to be
1: this. Ole Miss, at least I don't think.
2: No, no, I don't think it will be either. But if there is a uh, – if you want to sign a big red flashing light that says, hey, if you have one more swing you know, left in the old batting stance, come take it at us, that would be the buddy for to-, <laughs> to Ole Miss hire. I know you're joking, but like, just the pure thought of that would be like, what well, what are you doing? You might as well buy them hotel rooms with impermissible benefits. And them, I mean, the agents or the investigators or, well, or I mean, you know we McDonald's see... on University Avenue. Like, go just go
1: walk it down again. That would just be absolutely hysterical. But we saw with Louisville that they're done. Uh, I mean, the NCAA's done punishing people. It, I it's think over. So too. They're, they're they're done. They're just going to keep running the basketball tournaments and trying to survive so they can keep cashing their billion dollar a year checks, and and that's it.
2: Well, the irony is they were probably done pre-Ole Miss if Ole Miss had handed it. And I know people might turn off the podcast as we divulge this topic. I'm not going to spend long on that, But they are probably done pre-Ole Miss if they handle it with any sort of brains, right? Like if they handle it just fine and do what everyone else did, deny, 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 they are probably done then. I don't think they're taking another swing at anybody. But uh, if you were to invite one or at least coax them into trying, uh, that would be one way to do
1: it. Well, here's how- one other topic. They've got, one. they've got Tennessee red-handed. They've got Tennessee red-handed. Yeah, that might be the one.
2: Do they actually do anything with that? Like, you know, Josh Heupel seems like a great guy. I like him. I I rooted for him. Weldon's been on the Heupel train ever since the uh, time started. He's like, I'm telling you, this guy's going to be good. Seems like a good enough dude. Um, But if there is one, that has to be it, right? Like, they do have them red-handed. Wait, what? You got the Fruit Chick-fil-A bags where his wife's handing it to people. yeah, well,
1: remember when uh, a bunch of big jays that cover college football uh, called Dan Patrick's report erroneous and that that never happens in college football and you shouldn't believe radio people and they report things and turns out Dan Patrick nailed it. He just got the wrong fast food chain.
2: <laughs> hey, the, the details as we just talked about is all just manufactured drama. You can't have the meat at Burger King. It's way more yeah. high-class than that. Chick play Southern. But you're right. I mean, Colin Coward once said Alabama doesn't have to play players. And at that point, you he's, like, oh, he's an interesting guy. He's thought-provoking, which makes him good at his job. But if you're looking at him for college football takes, I cannot help you there. So- he also
1: called Michigan. I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and radio, like, basically all day, every day. Uh, Cowherd today said that Michigan is better than all but five NFL jobs. I just I, – I, yeah, maybe I know.
2: from, I, like, power and control, maybe, but just the lifestyle is not – like, with this NIL portal thing, which we talked about it years – past. I say years past. Last year, I believe we discussed it a bunch. It's just the lifestyle thing. The NFL gig trumps the college one every single time. I think the NFL teams are done hiring college people, but it's not even anything against one's school or anything. It's just the work-life balance. Coward does – that just – Coward just pulled – Coward probably smoked a J in his Manhattan Beach uh, back porch – and then drove into work and was like, you know, Michigan. I'd like to work there. Probably don't want to work for the Rams or the Chargers here in town because we don't have any fans, and that's probably how he came up with that take. Probably. Um, One topic I did want to get to was you mentioned the bad head coaching pool. And it's been interesting to watch some of these jobs play out and some ripple effects of them because I do think that was another PR. It's not even a PR win for Ole Miss. It's an operational win. Had Lane Kiffin left and you were going to be tasked with hiring another head coach, with all the excitement surrounding the program, you wanted the splash hire, and I think that's probably a fool's proposition in some instances. I think Keith Carter got it right when he hired Lane Kiffin the first time because even if Lane Kiffin was you know, average or not good or we're sitting here as that he's about to embark on year four and it's not working out, um, it would have made sense because it got people excited for a program that desperately needed it. But just blindly going after the splash hire, I think has probably been proven to be a uh, pretty kind of uh, – I don't know. Not It doesn't always merit the best results. You know, you never really know with these things, I guess, is what I'm getting at. But Ole no, Ole Miss, But Lane Kiffin was- had
1: substance to his splash, too, though. That's yeah. the thing.
2: That is true. That's a great, great way to put it. They needed a substantive, substantive hire this time. Someone who was proven. Not necessarily splash. Maybe you could call it flash. I don't know. Whatever adjective you want. But if they went with a coordinator that nobody had ever heard of, I mean, people could have talked themselves into like Garrett Riley or something. I'm just throwing a name out there. I don't really know anything, but that would have been tough, tough to sell. And in nine months, it wouldn't have mattered if the dude started six and O. But the point being is it is perceived to be a pretty weak coaching pool. And I've been fascinated to see how all of this has played out because I look at like, I guess I'll start with Cincinnati. Luke Fickle leaves kind of out of nowhere in the dark of the night to take the Wisconsin gig and You know, Cincinnati's going to the Big 12. Their NIL, from what I've read, seems to be a little bit lacking. I think that was probably a little bit of the motivation for Fickle. I think he's probably a Big Ten guy, too. But they end up with Scott Satterfield. And for a program that's less than 12 months removed from a playoff berth, I figured they could have done better with Scott Satterfield. And maybe better is the wrong word. And maybe they could have. Maybe the AD at Cincinnati, I don't know his name, actually thinks is the best guy. But that's not something that's really just moving uh moving the old needle there I mean Wisconsin, you got fickle um at Wisconsin people are really fired up about that, and you got rule at Nebraska, and people are really fired up about that outside of that. what's the next like who else is super fired up to have hired a coach today? You know what I mean? I know a lot of big name jobs really didn't open in general, but there just don't seem to be the candidates available
1: no and that's part of part of the PR win for Ole Miss is that they didn't have to look for a coach right now um it when people asked me you know who would you go after Luke Fickle with me like basically everybody else was you know you try you get him to say no five times but before you move on um Matt Rule took the Nebraska job I I assume that you know he was too far down the road with Nebraska to, to get him to pull out but I think you know, timing. If it would have been different, he would have listened to you. But either way, um, I thought a lot about Dave Aranda. Polar opposite of Lane Kiffin. I mean, defensive-minded guy, and also personality just couldn't be more different. But that's one of the few guys when you think about it that a large the the majority of the fan base would have been like, okay, good. That that, that was a good hire in a weird spot. I think Aranda would have been the most realistic one at that point had Lane Kiffin taken the Auburn job, obviously did not, that Ole Miss could have hired that would have been satisfactory to most people. That would have been a good, solid hire, I think. Very respectable.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: And I think he would have taken it. I think. I could be wrong. But you can, you can get Dave Aranda from Baylor when you're paying $9 million a year for your coach with the NIL that you've got and all that. I think they would have been able to pull that off. I could be wrong.
2: Does Hugh Freeze count? Because it made headlines. I actually think he's going to do pretty well, as I outlined earlier. But I'm just trying to think of, like, candidates. Like, you know,
1: yeah.
2: Um, Georgia Tech kind of went. They were on the Philly, really Willie Fritz train pretty hot. And that's a good football coach for, you know, it would have been a good hire for that job. But then they elect to go interim. And, again, not a ton of jobs open. I don't think it's a ton are going to open. It seems like that window's closing a little bit in the typical kind of coaching search cycle sense, but there's just not a lot out there. And I think I'll miss no. dodge the bullet from that perspective as well. Does Matt Rule win at Wisconsin, or is the Wisconsin thing over with, like most of us seem to think he is? I mean, look, if you get a competent dude in there, anything can happen, right? Literally whenever. Like I think that's been proven time and time again. You How Matt Rule winning at Baylor with that situation. Uh, It's probably evidence enough to that, but does he win there?
1: Um, I think so because he's proven at two different places in college that, that he can win at near impossible jobs. And I think that that's what Nebraska, you know, has become. Even the Barstool people, which surprised me, put Nebraska like in the top 15 jobs in college football. And I thought, uh, you know, I mean, t- Tennessee football hadn't won their national championship since I was si- – they won their national championship when I was six years old. Current players weren't alive uh, last time Tennessee was good. I-, I wasn't alive last time Nebraska was worth a day. It- it's hard for me to-, to look at a place like that and say they are top 15 program when they haven't been for my entire life. Like, the landscape has changed so, so, so much. Programs like Old Miss – have changed dramatically in the last 20 years, 20, 30 years, whatever with financial capabilities and and the ability to get players, television revenue has changed so much. More people watch Ole Miss nationally than Nebraska. I mean, more people watch Ole Miss, more people know what Ole Miss is nationally than Nebraska at this point, at least in our age group and younger. I I think they've lost the plot there. It's a state that doesn't produce players, so you got to go out of state to get them. You're going to drop down into Texas and take a kid from Texas A&M or Texas? Probably not. Not the ones that they want anyway. What are you going to go where where do you go to get players if you're Nebraska? Things have changed so much and local schools are more viable than they've ever been. I guess you can portal like hell and try to build a roster that way, but you're not organically signing recruiting classes with Corn-fed Nebraska boys and winning anything in college football anymore?
2: No, you're not, and that's what's going to make this so fascinating. But you got a guy—if you got a guy that's innovative, you can. And he bought in. I say he bought in low. He took the job when the expectations are as low as they've ever been. You know, Heupel. You know what he did this season absolutely speaks for itself. But after the Pruitt thing, like I think Tennessee people, whatever you can possibly do to kind of look in the mirror and say, "Jesus, we're a mess. We don't have a ton of options here." Danny White hires his guy. And that was just kind of it. And so, like that team seems to be similar, where you know they got so mad at Bo Pelini for going eight and four every year. I imagine midway through the Scott Frost era or whoever was before him, I forget the guy's name, um, they would have probably at some point killed to be going eight and four because at least you're in the mix and at least you're relevant. And now with this playoff expansion, you know, never know, get to nine and three, ten and two, that might get you in some year. So that part of it is interesting to me. The, I guess we'll go to playoff expansion next. What do you make of it? Because I, I'm generally pretty tolerant of opposing viewpoints. The anti-expansion crowd, I, I don't get them. I would like their brain studied. I don't really get it. Like, what is, the, what is wrong, one, with more football? What is wrong, two? You have the worst playoff product that's different than any other level of football on earth, and you want to keep it at four because you're like, oh, these teams will get in? Well, it's like, well, could I interest you in a – I don't know, Kansas state, Alabama quarterfinal. Could I interest you in that? Like, I, I just don't understand the idea that just because you think the games would be blowouts, well, newsflash, they already suck. They're already blowout. So why would you keep it the same and not go to a normal playoff method that literally every other foot level of football has that produces somewhat compelling results? I read some snarky ass tweet the other day about like, we think we're getting March madness, but really what we're getting is the men's, the FCS playoffs and the ends. Uh, the uh, women's NCAA tournament, where it's just chalk city. It's already chalk city. Who gives a shit? You're telling me you wouldn't have liked to see Tennessee in the playoff, it's assuming who Hooker's healthy. Tennessee and Alabama in the playoff. Like, yeah. well, we're just gonna argue about 13 and 14. Okay, well, that's a different argument. When a four loss 14th team is griping about why they didn't get in. I mean, you've already got Saban lobbying for half of a half uh, second quarter, whatever broadcast. Like, I just don't get that aspect of it. I don't understand anti-expansion. Why would you not want more football against good teams as opposed to, I don't know, an exhibition in New Orleans where half of Alabama's players are going to opt out and no one's going to care?
1: Yeah, I especially don't get it from the the, the people in our state. So our listeners, we, we talked about this a lot, obviously, because many processes, you know, many things, all these committee meetings, all this crap had to happen. And so every time uh, there was new movement, we talked about it and Mark Keenum was heavily involved. In all of it. So, of course, we talked about it a good bit during the process and we got so much pushback from people in Mississippi talking about how it would ruin the regular season. And and I thought your your regular season, Mississippi State fan, has only mattered once since I've lived here one year, only one year did Mississippi State's regular season matter in terms of playoff one time 2014. And had you not lost the Egg Bowl, you could have had an argument, but you lost to Ole Miss, and it is what it is. But that, that's what I can't wrap my mind around. The Ole Miss fan that's like, no, I don't want it. It ruins the regular season. Or the Mississippi State fan that, that doesn't want it because your seasons now can matter more. Even after the Alabama loss, Ole Miss still would have gone to Fayetteville with something to play for, as opposed to, well, hope we can get the Citrus Bowl. I mean, there is a what's-the-point element to so many of our seasons in this state that I can't believe people are not just through the roof about this because you're playing even if you can't win the championship. You got a chance. You have a chance. And and could you imagine what hosting Penn State and Oxford in the first round of the playoffs would feel like? how how unbelievable that would be. Even if you know when we get matched up with Georgia, they're going to kick our ass. But will they? Maybe, probably. Probably. But we've seen Georgia with flaws. Michigan should have lost to Illinois a couple weeks ago. I mean, this is the worst year to use as, oh, well, the results don't matter. Because everybody was flawed, even the the flawless record teams still had issues getting through this season. Man, if you have teams play each other enough, something crazy is going to happen once, and it makes it all worth it to me. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm glad it's happening. I'm very excited. I, I'm excited for Ole Miss, and and because we cover Mississippi State as well, so the Ole Miss fan listening to this couldn't care less. But I'm excited for the seasons here moving forward to feel like they matter more than they currently do. Because after State's second loss, their season was over. After Ole Miss lost to Alabama, effectively, the season was over in terms of the playoff. It's not as exciting to talk about, hey, you know, you win in Fayetteville, you you get an outside shot at going to the Orange Bowl. It's nice. It matters. But, hey, you go win in Fayetteville, and, and now you're back on the right side of the playoff and you go beat Mississippi State, you're hosting a playoff game. It just feels so much better to say out loud.
2: There's Yes. And to the nth degree, the NFL is the most successful American sport on earth. I think it makes more money than the Premier League. I could have that wrong. I think it is the most successful in terms of money sport on earth. You watch these NFL games every week. They have a 17-week regular season. You're like, well, some of these games don't matter. It's like, well, you can't play football half speed. And only having 16 games, you really can't have games they don't matter because the week one games are going to count just as much as the week 17 games. It's like the NBA where you're playing 82 of those suckers. You have a back-to-back and you just mail it in on a night. You can't really do that. And so I don't understand the the mind, mind frame of a season where you lose a second time, your shot of the ultimate goal and winning the ultimate prize is just done. I don't understand why that's an exciting business model to any degree. And I get because of money purposes, we're probably still going to get these soulless nfl neutral sites instead of putting home field advantage in the mix which would be awesome by the way keeping some of these games on campus and you play for seating and all that stuff you know seating home field advantage what a concept that would be but like i I just i don't understand that like the a&m game last year for Ole miss was one of the greatest environments that you've had in the kiffin era maybe one of the better Ole miss environments they've ever had there it was an awesome win for Ole miss that game and ultimately meant nothing. Well, we got all Miss the Sugar Bowl. The, the game, that, that, again, Sugar Bowl, cool, has a lot of history. Winning, it's not a bad thing for your program. The game matters to the players and all that, but it's an exhibition. You're not playing for anything other than some trophy inside a badass venue in the Superdome. What if, and here's a shot, here's just a wild thought, what if winning that game had Matt Corral not gotten hurt and they had beaten Baylor, they could go play again the next week and all of a sudden they're two wins away from a national title? That is a wild concept. I understand, but is that not better than it's just? all right, sweet ten and two year. Here, here's your exhibition. Congrats on a great season. I don't understand that.
1: Uh, absolutely, and especially th- this past weekend is a great example for why y- y- why we need it. There are five Power Five conference championship games. Right, one result mattered. Think about it. If Georgia lost to LSU, they're they're still in, right? If Michigan lost to Purdue. They're still in TCU lost to Kansas state. They still made it Southern Cal lost. They got knocked out. Ohio state jumps in Clemson and North Carolina played for nothing effectively. So we had, we had conference championship weekend, you know, championship Saturday and on Saturday, not a single game mattered in terms of the playoff. It was already set. It was done because USC lost on Friday. It was over. Despite Nick Saban pleading his case talking about gambling odds, the, there was no drama. So in the new format, Kansas State won a bye in that in that win. They didn't just win a trip to the Sugar Bowl. They, they won a bye in the playoff because you've got to win your conference to get a first-round bye. The ACC championship suddenly would have mattered. Club Nick's game would have been legendary instead of just, oh, that was nice. That would have been to get a buy in the playoff. You USC would have gotten knocked out of getting a buy in the playoff or, or what I mean, it they just it adds more intrigue to the games. And yes, maybe it ruins Ohio State, Michigan. But guess what? Ohio State, Michigan this year didn't matter anyway.
2: They're about to have US, UCLA and USC as conference games. Who cares about the? I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love the Apple Cup. I love Florida, Florida State. I like that tradition. I don't think they're going away. If you want to say they're somehow less significant, okay, I guess. Could you imagine State coming to Ole Miss or Ole Miss going to Starkville, full, uh, vice versa with a college football playoff berth on the line, or at least the right to stay in the mixed run? Holy cow, you think those environments are intense now? Again, just to put a bow on this, the idea that every other level of football – the MAIS, you have to win. Like, I hate the argument. where you get teams that shouldn't be in there. According to what? You have bad divisions in the NFL. They get to playoff teams all the time. It's just the way it works. It's a byproduct of the system. It's still a terrific product. Like, who cares about the teams that shouldn't be in there? I, I, don't, I don't understand that logic. They get to go play. They got a shot. They did what they had to do. And there's a qualifying system. Instead of a four team invitational, the MAIS now has more than one playoff game to crown a champion. But college football cannot? I don't. What, how is that cool? all right, sweet, congrats on winning your playoff game, singular, on your route to winning a national title. Like, is that not anti-competitive? Because, and look, I'm not arguing that it'd be the NCAA tournament or it go to, you know, four rounds. I don't think the NCAA tournament going to 96 is a great idea, as I say me that anti expansionist I think that's stupid. But, like, you're going to win one playoff game and then you win the national title? Sick. Congrats on, like, what an accomplishment. I'm not saying it's not an accomplishment, but this is the sheer idea of it doesn't make any sense to me. And so – I'm glad we're getting more football, and, you know, if you're going to be, you know, every bowl game matters, quit bitching You have the Bahamas Bowl, it's awesome. You can't also be anti-expansion guy. I don't see how
1: those arguments job. I just don't think you can. Well, especially when most of the bowls are going to stick around. I mean, it's not like you're losing them. You're basically losing the access bowls becoming exhibitions, are
2: you not, if this is going to go the way we think it is?
1: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs>
2: Somebody get come, anti-expansion guy needs to come to explain me the downside of that. Well, we're losing the access bonus. Like, you mean they're going to count for something? Well, and again,
1: I mean the the only thing I think that should matter, especially if somebody's listening that is an anti-expansion, it makes Ole miss better. Done. It, it, it gives you access yeah. to something you haven't had access to. It, it,
2: Yes, exactly. It's, it's, you can't hate the elite and then be, I, I don't know. It just, that argument drives me nuts. Last couple of things, real quick, before I let you get out of here. We'll just 10,000 foot, we'll go Old and State. Roster rebuilding is going to be fascinating. Giffin's back for a fourth year. He's now a $9 million head coach. He's publicized, or I say he, he, I would say a lot of his doing has made them openly publicize how much NIL money they have. It's now on him to build a championship roster. They're not paying him to go eight and four and mail in the last two games. Um, it, like, This is going to be fascinating because they have needs across the board. They need pass catchers. They need dynamic playmakers, and they need a lot of help on defense. What is just kind of your general 10,000-foot view of maybe what and how he does this with the uh, portal, with high school recruiting, whatever? How do you view Ole Miss's roster construction this offseason? Well,
1: I I do think they are in a bit of a position of strength, which uh, before we get into specific – positions of need and stuff, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because we've heard from people on our show that don't like that college football is becoming this, and I understand why. Truly, I do. I mean, watching a multi-year starter at NC State at quarterback hit the portal, why? I mean, you've been been—you've had a good situation there. You've been good there, and, and a quarterback's leaving, and, and I get that it, it's chaotic and it, it doesn't feel the same, but there's another way that you can look at it. As a a college football fan, what would you be doing right now? What, what what would you be doing as a fan right now? Previewing Texas Tech for the next three weeks and waiting till the signing class comes in February. Now, buying
2: a subscription to Rebel Grover two four seven and trying to see who they're actually going to get, like recruiting wise.
1: Uh, right, it's th- this. Now, now there are exceptions, uh, like when your coach leaves, take Oklahoma last year. I'm sure they don't love how how, how college football is today considering what Lincoln Riley left behind. But if you're an Ole Miss fan listening to this today, you have what I think is the best, clearly the best quarterback-running back combination returning to the SEC, and I bet you could argue in all of college football returning next year. When you think about who's leaving certain places, quarterback or running back, the duo of Dart, and Judkins is as good, if not better, than everybody in college football. So you get that coming back. You return both of your offensive tackles for what it's worth. Obviously, your coach uh feels like there's going to be more staff continuity this year than than last year. At least I think so. Um there's, there's,
2: I would hope there is, because I mean they I say I hope they I mean the last year they replaced everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> so, Derek Nixon uh uh oh what's my God, joiner,
1: and that's about it. Um Now, you lose two receivers, but you have a promising guy in Watkins back defensively. You still have a bunch of guys that played a lot for you last year that are returning. So you've got a really solid foundation. And isn't it exciting as a fan to think, well, shoot, we need a tight end. Instead of hoping to God that the 17-year-old that just finished the 3A Tennessee State Championship, you know, catching passes over little Timmy that's got piano lessons on Sunday mornings, where you can talk to the kid from South Carolina that was misused, honestly, at South Carolina, but a big, physical, athletic tight end that you know can succeed in the SEC is interested in you. At least I think he is. And so as a fan, you get to sit back and during this dead period think, shoot, my team needs a tight end. Well, there's this kid from South Carolina. There's this kid from Maryland. There's this kid from LSU. And my coach is about to go talk to all these guys. We might sign one of these guys. How I don't know. It just, to me, if you look at it from that perspective, it makes this actually kind of fun because your solid foundation, which is what I think all this has, they have positions of need. Guys are leaving that need to be replaced, no doubt. But you've got a solid foundation that you you get to sit back and watch your coaches build on. And for some reason, that's exciting to me. NFL free agency is exciting to me. Like, you know, who can my team add at at the last minute to make us better? Shoot, we got Jarvis Landry. Awesome. Turns out he can't stay healthy and the team sucks. But at the time, it was, oh, shit, we got Jarvis Landry. How cool is this? Same thing here. Let's say this kid from South Carolina ends up signing with Ole Miss. Instead of relying on a freshman that you hope transitions, your roster immediately gets better. And that, that's exciting, or at least it should be as a fan. This is a cool time if your coach is coming back and you've got a good foundation to build on. This sucks for Auburn. They're desperate. I mean, they've got to hit 25 guys in the portal or else they're screwed next year. Ole Miss doesn't have to hit 25 guys in the portal or else they're screwed. It's more like five to 10. So anyway, I, I just, I've heard and seen a lot of people complaining about the current state of this And I understand where that's coming from, for sure. But adjust your mindset a little bit. you got a firm foundation that you're about to add on. And that's exciting in an otherwise really dead period of college football fandom. And I get why it's imperfect. I mean, I don't like some aspects of the portal. Like you mentioned, the
2: multi-year starter quarterbacks in the ACC wanting to go elsewhere. I think it's good to some degree for the players from an opportunity standpoint and them not being, you know, exploited or controlled or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I do have a little bit of, like, you know, team guy culture in me where it's like, oh, things aren't going my way. I'm just going to go to another school. I don't love that aspect of it because, you know, in the NFL, even if they don't, like, love the situation, there are contracts. There is free agency, but there's contracts, there's structure to it, and this feels like there's just no structure to it. That's why you got 900 dudes in the portal, and it's hard to follow, and we're still trying to figure out how to cover it. God bless the dudes at every uh, team site nationally that are trying to figure out how to cover this thing props to you i don't know how you guys do it seems incredibly hard to do i get why they don't like that because it is kind of the wild west and there's no structure to it but it does provide opportunity and i'm fascinated by that more important though is it offense or defense because i'll go up for Ole miss roster rebuilding because i think it's undoubtedly defense they weren't perfect by any stretch offensively last year but that old miss team i think is close to a college football playoff contender if they had, say, the 2014 Ole Miss defense, where they just, yeah. you know, they couldn't stop enough people and they weren't good enough offensively, and it kind of just became this, you know, basically you become a slightly above-average football team. Is it defense or offense for you? Because I think the answer for me is defense. Because they can't continue to be – if they want to reach the aspirations, they can't continue to have this depth issue. And honest to God, be mediocre defensively
1: i've often wondered if if they have a depth issue or do they have a we're not willing to play of like younger guys issue you know what i mean that's it's kind of a stupid question i guess but they don't play enough people like i guess it's they just be depth because if they could play they'd play them you know what i mean yeah, yeah I, I guess so um if you made me list the most important things defensive line offensive line would be my one and two Just because, you know, you're losing guys up front on offense, and I don't think they were as good up front as the numbers say that they are. I think Jackson Dart avoided a lot of sacks, a lot, a lot of sacks. His pocket presence was, I mean, for his age, is damn near elite with his ability to evade pressure and avoid taking sacks. And, you know, Mississippi State shut them down largely. You know, LSU was dominant against them in the second half, especially. So they can get better there. They need defensive line help. They need linebacker help. So defensive line, offensive line, linebacker would be my priorities if I were them. Because, I mean, cliche, but it's true, uh, games are one in the trenches. So you've got to shore up both sides of the ball in the trenches if you're going to be as good as I think that they can be.
2: Last two random notes for let you get out of here. USA soccer success, right? I didn't get to watch that game on Saturday. I got roped into a last minute golf group uh, down there in Fort Myers. Uh, I was actually going to go watch it. I was going to go try to find someplace down the street from wherever the hell we were staying and try to watch it. That didn't go as planned. looks like it got beat pretty soundly, but overall success. We made it out of the group. Um, it, it seems it, like they're, it. Young, they're a young, exciting team. Um, I used to screw with you and Haydad on radio about like, oh, it's this next generation – like, if it's not this one, it seems like it's just never happening. This one actually seems real. By what? Yes, I,
1: I, th- this is real. And it's largely going to be the exact same group in the next one. I mean, Tim Ream's going to be 38. He was great in the World Cup. so He won't in be USA, at the next one. Which, like that,
2: this, this seems year. like a real build versus hope.
1: Absolutely. And, and we'll play in the Copa America here uh, in 2024, which will be great experience for them as well. Big tournament. We'll play like Argentina and Brazil and stuff. Um, yeah, so general success. Uh, didn't lose a game in the group, only gave up one goal in the group stage, and it was on a PK, so didn't give up a, a, a during the course of play, didn't give up a goal in the group stage. It, it was frustrating, though, because Netherlands goals came on mental lapses. They, they were more technically sound than we were, but they scored on our mistakes. Tyler Adams got caught sleeping, gave up a goal because he, he, he let his man just kind of run by him. He was a little flat-footed. Dest got caught ball-washing, and, and his guy just kind of ran by him. It, it, like, it was mental mistakes that cost them, and, and we need a true striker. That's what we're missing. Uh, we're missing a, a true goal-scoring striker that's not Pulisic. Uh, somebody up top needs to, to assume that role in, over the next four years to be the go-to goal scorer because we've got a bunch of really good, like Weston McKinney plays for Juventus, right? Like high-level midfielder. Um, Yunus Musa, high level midfielder, Polisic, high level midfielder. We have very few goal scoring forwards. And that kind of reared its head. We had so many chances and nobody that could put it away. So general success, very young team. I think we put out the youngest lineup in the tournament against Iran, I think. Uh it was one of the two games anyway. Uh, but nice building block for 2026 with most of those guys going to be on the team that time around as well.
2: Are the Pels going to win the Western Conference? Talk about one of the more exciting products in the NBA. They are loaded, and they are fun to watch.
1: What's crazy, like, their worst games they've played have been when they're all healthy, (laughs) if you can (laughs) believe that. They they haven't quite figured out how to play well together yet. The difference, though, one is depth, as you mentioned. It's depth. Trey Murphy was a great evaluation Herb Jones was a great evaluation. Jose Alvarado was a great evaluation. Dyson Daniels was a great evaluation. But most importantly, Zion and Brandon Ingram have bought in on the defensive end. That's why they're winning games. Because despite what some people think, that nobody plays defense in the NBA. Yes, they do. Uh, Zion did not. And so he would score 25 a night and give up 25 a night. That's changed. He's bought in defensively, and that helps them so much in so many different ways. And that's why they're winning games. They've got good defenders, guys that are making shots. And by the way, a six foot six, 280 pound wrecking ball that nobody can guard.
2: He looks in shape too. This is not overweight, Zion. He actually no. looks good and moves around a ton. We talked about this when we had you on at one point last spring or maybe summer or whatever it was. Like, a lot of talk to, I mean, ESPN tried to will the guy to the Knicks. You know, there seemed to be some sort of dissension between the franchise and the player to some degree. Maybe a small, maybe it was overblown. How important, if they do make a deep run this year and become kind of contender for years to come with this core, was last year's playoff run to actually give the guy who, I don't know, I don't know he locked in on the Pals, but didn't seem like he was doing everything needed to get back on the court as quickly as possible, at least being committed To that kind of mundane process. How important do you think last year's playoff run will be if two years from now they're in a Western Conference final or a final or something like that, where it was like, hey, we're actually, we're not, we're not like, we're not fine without you, but look what we got here. Why don't you kind of, you know, lay off the fast food, maybe run and uh, come join us on the court?
1: Yeah. He lost a ton of weight after that. And based on, you know, I don't know this myself, mostly just what I've read about the team and that the aura around it is that. When he got hurt and rehabbed elsewhere, he he kind of slipped into a depression almost um and and felt disconnected from the team. And when he got back and they started winning games, it was like a like he was an outsider and he he saw like this infectious this team that like loves each other. It's weird. That's a professional sports team that all genuinely loves each other. It is very Memphis unique in sports. The two teams Memphis in the has
2: a you You're right. They, they just in, that, That's invaluable when you're spending that much time together. They enjoy being around each other yeah. versus – I mean, I can't say the Lakers right now because they're playing pretty good basketball, but most of the time the LA Lakers, half the dudes are probably looking around each right. other. Fuck this guy. Like They're liking each other is a
1: big deal. And, and he got to witness that. And then for, for the arena for being dated and small – was nuts during the playoff era. So he saw a team that's competitive and and, and fun. And then, shoot, people actually do kind of care here. This is, yeah. I, I don't need to force myself out. It's kind of nice. And it like reset his psyche and, and he lost a bunch of weight and is completely and, and totally bought into what they're selling. And, it, you know, it, it helps that Stan Van Gundy was a one and done because all the players hated him and they, You know, talk about Kiffin versus Aranda. Stan Van Gundy and Willie Green could not be any different. It could not possibly be any different. And um, they're a lot of fun, man. I I tweeted it last night after the Saints lost again that, you know, if you're a New Orleans Saints fan and you're looking for some joy from a team with New Orleans on their chest, just switch over to basketball. Like, you're actually going to get that. They're legitimately good on top of being everything else.
2: This was Pelican's Corner. He is Michael Borkey Sports Talk Mississippi 3 to 6 every uh, Monday through Friday. This one's actually going on the airwaves. I appreciate the time, my man. We'll check
4: in sometime soon.
1: Yeah, man. Anytime.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.